0: Chapter Seven of the Mind, the Paint Girl. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros The Mind, the Paint Girl by Lewis Tracy. Chapter Seven, an Interlude jays and roper frankly disliked each other and neither took any marked pains to conceal the fact the army man regarded the eccentric but somewhat vulgar little stockbroker as a bounder while roper's opinion of jays is already on record the mere presence of uncle lal was an instant source of irritation to jays and possibly for that very reason he did not notice roper's rather guilty air nor ma's propitiatory grin "'Good afternoon, Mrs. Upjohn. How are you, Roper?' he said, as he closed the door. "'Ah, Captain,' smirked the lady. "Hello, Nicco,' said Roper off-handedly. "'Lily not in?' Jays came nearer. He was not so well-groomed as he used to be in the old days, but he still carried himself with an air of authority, and he permitted his eyes to rest for a contemptuous second on Roper's magnificent waistcoat no said mrs upjohn she's in fitzroy street settin to morgan why didn't she ask me to go with her frowned Jays. don't know i'm sure she's took miss birch oh grunted Jays, slightly placated then his glance surveyed the display of flowers hmm. evidently he disapproved of so many admirers whereupon roper to annoy him jerked his head towards the writing-table some nice presents over there he said She's beat her record this year, lillaz, out and out, purred Mrs. Upjohn complacently, little dreaming that she was adding fuel to the fire. Jays strode across the room and scowled at the array of jewelry. Very nice, he muttered. He took up one of the cases and read the card on it, only to throw it back angrily. Confound em, he cried. What the devil do they take her for? "'Allow me to remark, Jays, that one of those gifts is from me,' spluttered Roper. "'Oh, I'm not alluding to you. Much obliged!' Jays disregarded Roper's fuming. He turned and addressed Mrs. Upjohn. "'I've called in to ask Lily whether she'll come out to supper with me tonight at Catani's to celebrate her birthday. Luigi is decorating a table for me specially.' Mr. and Mrs. Linthorpe will come, and Jack Weathered, and my brother, the Rhodesian one. Are you free, Roper? I suppose it's no good asking you, Mrs. Upjohn. Jays included Roper in the invitation, as he might fling a bone to a dog. But the stockbroker had found some object to interest him near the tea-table, and Mrs. Upjohn, left to her own resources, moved uneasily. No, no, thank you, Captain, she stammered, and I—I— "'I'm afraid Lil' can't manage it either.' "'Why not?' Jays rapped out the obvious question in a court-martial voice. I, "'I'm surprised she didn't mention it to you herself when you brought her home last night.' "'Mention what?' "'They're giving her a supper to-night at the theatre. "'At the theatre? Roper thought it high time to interfere. Ma might blurt out too much if hard-pressed yes he broke in carlton is standing a little spread in the foyer in honour of the occasion and quite right too Lily is his best asset and chance it when was this fixed up demanded Jace. late last night jase was disconcerted he felt perhaps that his manner was too inquisitorial the fact is he explained hesitatingly i was rather quiet coming home in the car last night and i suppose Lil kept this from me to pay me out Then some vague suspicion prompted him to wheel round sharply on Roper. "'Who's invited?' he asked. "'Oh, uh, only the principal members of the company, I understand.' Mrs. Upjohn moistened her lips and added, in what she deemed was a most convincing tone, "'Yes, only the members of the company, a little says.' "'With Maury Cooling and Vincent Bland thrown in,' said Roper. Therein he went too far— Jays fastened on to the admission instantly. "'You seem to know a lot about it,' he growled. "'Well, you see, I was behind "'when Maury was going round to the dressing-rooms. "'Are you asked?' "'Oh, are—' uh, "'Out with it, man. Are you asked?' "'Oh, yes, they've dragged me into it.' "'Since when have you been a member of the company?' "'No, but dash it all, Nigo. "'I've done business for Calton in the city "'for twenty years or more. "'That doesn't make you—' "'And I'm an old friend of Lil's, remember? "'You haven't known her so much longer than I. "'Why the blazes doesn't Carlton invite me?' "'Roper was growing hot again. "'He extended his arms as though to ward off this big man towering over him. "'My dear Nico,' he cried, "'I'm not giving the party. "'Really, you do jump down one's throat.' "'Sorry, sorry.' "'Jays thrust his hands into his pockets and gazed blankly at the carpet.' Well, I'll put off my brother and the others. They won't want to sup with me. I shouldn't amuse them. Her birthday, though. It will be the first time I shall have been out of that for—how many years? Six years? I—' His outspoken reverie stopped suddenly, for he had caught the conspirators eyeing each other uncomfortably. "'What's up now?' he cried. "'Anything the matter?' "'The matter?' repeated Roper, who was beginning to realize the anguish of a detected felon. "'Yes. Any game on at my expense?' "'Really, Captain, I don't know what you're driving at,' said Mrs. Upjohn, who could not keep silent for the life of her. Jays was thoroughly aroused now. He knew that these two were deceiving him in some way. "'How long is Lily sitting this afternoon?' he said harshly. "'Till five,' bleated Mrs. Upjohn. He glanced at his watch. "'What's Morgan's number in Fitzroy Street?' Sixty. "'Then I'll fetch her.' He was making for the door when it was thrown open, and Lily entered with a rush. With her came Jimmy Birch, and the two girls looked as though they had been hurrying. Lily tore off her gloves. "'I'm dead!' she cried. "'I couldn't stand the heat in the studio any longer, mother.' "'Ah, Nico,' extending a careless hand. Then, discovering Roper, she offered her cheek for a kiss. Uncle, ça va bien she said with an excellent accent miss birch closed the door that young man morgan ought to paint the infernal regions," she declared he'd like it i wish he'd finish with the angels first sighed lily taking a scarf off her shoulders then thinking that she might have greeted jays rather coldly she gave him a pleasant smile you in a better temper today, day she asked softly "'You drove me wild last night,' he murmured close to her ear. "'Served you right,' she said, making a little friendly face at him. "'For goodness' sake, let me lie down,' and she threw herself on a settee. "'Don't come near me any of you. Give me my fan. Jimmy, where's my fan?' "'Oh, dear, I've left it in Fitzroy Street,' said her friend. "'Beast! There's one ear among your presents,' cried Mrs. Upjohn, going to the writing-table." lily unpinned her hat uncle lel what an adorable ring that is you've sent me she said ring i sent you a brooch well somebody has sent me a ring there's three rings announced mrs upjohn joyously of course said lily one of them is from nicko did you get my sweet telegram nicko i had your telegram but it is a pendant i sent you said jay sulkily more than ever annoyed at finding himself put on the same plane as Roper. Jimmy Birch did not help the situation by tittering audibly, but Lily was not to be disturbed by such trifles. "'You shut up, Jimmy,' she said. "'How am I to remember?' "'Who's given me this pretty thing?' she went on, looking at the fan, which she was using vigorously. "'Mr. Monty Levine,' said Mrs. Upjohn. "'Bless him! He's a dear little man, though he does bite his nails.' Gladys, the parlour-maid, sailed in, followed by Vincent Bland. She did not content herself with announcing a visitor, but, seeing that her young mistress had returned, viewed her with elevated eyebrows. "'Oh, are you at home?' she said. Lily returned the girl's stare rather amusedly. "'Apparently,' she said. "'Then I'll whistle up to Maud,' Maud being lady's maid in the Upjohn household." don't said lily if it's too severe a strain on you gladys moved away majestically mrs upjohn called after her we'll have tea the parlour-maid turned at the door you can't till it's ready she announced what cheek said lily calmly as the girl went out Vincent Bland, a thin, delicate-looking man, not particularly well dressed, but carrying himself with distinction, and wearing a monocle as though he were used to it, strolled across the room. "'You needn't have cut me almost on your doorstep. And why do you retain the services of that golden-haired hussy?' he said. "'Oh, she's a bit above herself, but she's a perfect servant, and I never saw you,' came the convincing answer." Bland allowed his glance to rest fixedly on Roper. "'Congratulations on your waistcoat, lal,' he said. "'Oh, I hate personalities,' said Roper, gruffly. Lily held out a hand to the composer. "'Vincent,' she said, "'yours was one of the loveliest presents I've had to-day.' "'Rémerciment! How's that for an accent?' Bland dropped his eyeglass. "'You cat,' he hissed. "'You know I've given you nothing, not even a penny nosegay.' jimmy birch who had been chatting with roper evidently had an ear for other conversation in the room because she laughed again shrilly and lily raised herself on an elbow on my honour vincent dear i swear i thought she began the funds are too low said bland replacing the eyeglass i did go so far as to price a bangle at selby's but that was before a certain event yesterday "'What horses did you back, Vincent?' inquired Miss Birch. "'I won a fiver through Jerry Grimwood.' Roper saw a chance to pay back Bland's reference to the waistcoat. "'You are a patent ass,' he said loudly. "'Why don't you leave betting alone?' "'Why don't you leave your city muck alone?' inquired Bland icily. Lily stood up. She thought it high time to take more interest in life. "'Be quiet, you two she said imperiously. I won't have any wrangling in my house. Run away and play, all of you. Vin, come here a minute. She led him to a corner near the writing-table and dropped her voice. There was no mistaking the intense feeling that vibrated in her next words. You have broken your word to me, then? You have been following those damned horses again? Bland made a wry face. Cooling had a tip from the stable, he murmured. Cooling, she snapped. Maury Cooling has no children, only a fat wife. You've a darling little wife and three kitties. How much did you drop yesterday? "'Sha'n't say,' declared Bland doggedly. "'Oh, Vincent,' she cried, and the tears rose unbidden to her eyes. The others in the room knew that Lily was lecturing her friend and left them alone.' But Baron von Rettenmeyer entered at that moment and marched straight up to Lily, clicking his heels as he halted in front of her, and bending like a six-foot plank controlled by a hinge in the middle. "Aha, goddess," he murmured. "Many happy returns of the day." "Hush," said Lily. "I'm busy for a moment, Baron. Go and talk to Mother and Jimmy." "With pleasure," said von Rettenmeyer. "How are you, my dear ma? Delighted to see you, Jimmy." my dear rober my dear nicholas he greeted each of them in this cheerful strain and jimmy birch promptly mimicked him rober nicholas why don't they provide you with throat lozenges at the embassy she cried under cover of the chatter which broke out lily opened a drawer in the writing-table and produced a check-book after a furtive glance over her shoulder, she swept some of the presents aside and signed a check, which she tore out and slipped into Bland's hand. "'Now promise me,' she whispered, "'promise me you won't make another bet this year.' Bland calmly unfolded the check and scrutinized it. "'A blank one,' he said grimly. "'Put it in your pocket. Don't fill it in for more than you can help. I'm not over flush." With calm deliberation he tore the cheque into four pieces, and, looking at her steadily, put them in his waistcoat pocket. "'I will keep these, Lil, as long as I keep anything,' he said, though his voice was not so steady as his fingers. She flushed and flared up. "'You fool, Vincent!' she cried. "'My dear, do you think—' But Lily stamped her foot. She was genuinely vexed. "'Such ridiculous pride!' she flung at him. "'Lord, what I owe to you! "'And you won't let me help you in a tight place!' "'Luckily a diversion was created "'by the entrance of Mr. Samuel de Castro, "'whose spats were whiter than ever. "'Bland hailed him as a deliverer, "'and de Castro lisped his congratulations to Lily. "'Thanks, dear old boy,' she said, "'nodding at Bland, "'to indicate that her vengeance was only deferred. "'Did I send you a wire this morning?' "'Not you, not a thick penearth, "'I ought to have done so, to acknowledge your—now, what was it? "'A ring, my dear, diamonds and sapphires.' "'Oh, yes, beautiful,' gushed Lily, who was far too skilled an actress on the stage "'not to be able to act a little on her own account. "'It is rather a nice ring, but I say, mind you don't go and tell gaps on any account.' "'And de Castro's tone became confidential.' Lily raised her eyebrows with a fine assumption of ignorance. "'Gabs! Miss Cato! Why shouldn't I tell her?' But de Castro was too old a bird to be caught in that fashion. "'Not then,' he said. "'You know very well. You won't, will you?' Lily shrugged her pretty shoulders. She was minded to tease him. "'I won't, if I remember not to,' she said airily. Sam became rather alarmed. Lily was no fool, he knew, but girls did stupid things occasionally. "'Ah, oh, now, don't be thilly," he pleaded. "'What's the good o' makin' mischief?' Whereupon it is a regrettable fact that Miss Paradell showed him the tip of her tongue. He laughed, and von Rettenmeier's hand fell heavily on his back. "'My dear Vran he said, "'what is de joke?' Lily held out her hand. Excuse me for cutting you short when you came in, Baron, she said. Thanks for your splendid present. I did send you a wire, didn't I? Von Redenmeyer retained her hand, bowed solemnly, and kissed it. I shall preserve that telegram with other souvenirs till the end of my life, he vowed. Lily withdrew her hand and blew the compliment away, but the Baron had not done with her yet. After a cautious look around, he said in an altered tone, "'Goddess, about my trifling little offering, I entreat you not to mention it to Enid.' Lily burst into a hearty laugh. "'What? Another of you?' she cried. Then she added seriously, "'Baron, I do wish you boys wouldn't make me presents, and then ask me to keep it a secret from the other girls.' and i on my part, i wish it were not necessary but goddess you are also a young lady of the world and you know what women are de charming mees lily had seen her maid entering so she turned away throwing the enigmatical remark over her shoulder yes and i know what you men are too the maid whom gladys had presumably whistled for rushed at miss Paradell with a complete disregard of the assembled company here give me your things she said i was in my room having a lie-down is my hair untidy i've never seen it anything else said lily tossing her hat scarf and gloves to the cheerful maud who laughed loudly at her mistress's banter and then hailed some of the guests good afternoon miss jimmy she said afternoon mr de castro turning to her mistress again she became solicitous for her welfare now, don't you let them all tire you to death. There's a pet, she cried. Oh, clear out, was the unsympathetic answer. As Maud was departing, Lily kicked off her shoes, pitching them dexterously after the girl. Hi, she cried, fetch me a pair of slippers. Maud stopped and giggled. At that moment, Gladys entered with a tea tray, and Lord Farncombe at her heels the superior parlour-maid eyed her fellow domestic scornfully and tried to wither her on the spot oh you're doing something are you she said yes i'm setting you an example my girl answered maud not looking where she was going to she cannoned against the guardsman beg pardon she said amiably and vanished lily Paradell, though shoeless was in no wise abashed she tiptoed to meet lord farncombe and held out her hand "'How do you do?' she said, smiling at him in a very friendly way. She was beginning to like this young man. He differed in many essential ways from the well-to-do idlers who frittered away the best part of their lives in attendance at the Pandora Theatre. He was unassuming, diffident, yet frankly an admirer, and his attitude conveyed a grateful sense of the homage that takes no thought for rank. Any other girl in her position would have regarded him as a possible suitor.' but Lily refused to look upon her men friends in that light. Still, he had touched some dormant cord in her nature. Not knowing why, she felt rather shy when speaking to him, though he himself was so bashful that Roper's description of him was by no means far-fetched. He moved swiftly now to meet her and take the proffered hand. "'I have been here before this afternoon. I ventured to bring you some flowers,' he said eagerly. "'There now,' said Lily, "'nobody told me. "'How awfully kind of you. "'Where have they put them?' "'He went to the piano, lifted down his basket of flowers, "'and showed it to her with a gentle diffidence "'that betrayed a lack of experience in such things. "'Here they are,' he said. "'How pretty,' said Lily, pulling out a La France rose "'and adjusting it in her belt, "'knowing that she was paying a compliment to the donor. "'Are you acquainted with most of the people here?' He looked around the room. "'I know nearly everybody, I fancy,' he said, nodding to von Rettenmeyer and de Castro. Then his glance fell on Jays, who had worked his way round to the writing-table, and was watching the two young people rather sourly, gnawing his moustache the while. "'How are you, Captain Jays?' said the Viscount pleasantly. "'And you, Mr. Bland?' he added. He turned to Lily again. "'I've been talking to Mrs. Upjohn and Mr. Roper already,' he explained." Lily introduced him to Jimmy Birch, and Farncombe gave additional proof of his lack of acquaintance with theatrical society by essaying an elaborate compliment. "'I—I I need hardly say,' he declared, "'that I am one of Miss Birch's warmest, most profound—' The kindly Jimmy came to the rescue. "'That's all right, Lord Farncombe,' she smiled. "'Don't you bother about saying nice things. You look them, and that's enough, isn't it, Lily?' Somehow the advent of the young Viscount had created an electrical atmosphere in the room. Lily had become more gracious, and gave more heed to the niceties of speech. Mrs. Upjohn, Roper, von Rettenmeyer, even the volatile Jimmy Birch, were on the qui vive to say and do the right thing. And Nico Jays, already suspicious with regard to some of them, and resentful of the indifference with which he was treated by most of the others, became aware of a new doubt a new anxiety, which tore him with the ever-ready claws of jealousy. Was this handsome youngster a serious rival? He feared so. He must be on his guard, and, above all, curb that unruly tongue of his. His brother's advice came back to him. Perhaps he had chosen an unfavorable time for urging his suit with Lily. At any rate, he could only wait and watch— But feeling himself to be little else than an outsider in this frivolous circle, he clenched his fists in sheer impotence. Chapter seven.